Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. What kind of cheese is not yours? What kind of cheese is not mine? Nacho cheese. Coming to you almost live from an old-timey speakeasy. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. Joining us in the studio today is local food entrepreneur Nate Box, the eventual owner of Elm Cafe, which is slated to open pretty soon. Welcome to the studio, Nate. Thanks. <laughs> now, uh, before we get into what has been uh, a dramatic playing out of the creation of Elm, Let's talk about how you got involved in the whole food industry in Edmonton. Where did that all start? Um, that started almost 10, 11, 12 years ago. 12 okay. years ago. I spent uh, three and a half years, four years working for the Joey Tomatoes Group solely to pay my way through high school and university and because there was some pretty lovely ladies that worked there. <laughs> there are. So I started dishwashing from there. Um, I don't know. How much do you want to know? Everything. Tell us everything. everything. Yeah. Okay. After uh, university and a couple of years of university, I went overseas and worked overseas for about a year. Came back. Where overseas did you go? I was working on a medical ship in uh, Africa, on the west coast of Africa. On a medical ship. Yeah, so so in the galley, sweating like crazy, cooking. And in, and did you go to school to learn how to cook? No. 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 So what did you get? What did you do in university? Uh, I did a science degree on my way to medical school and got detoured by cooking being a lot more fun than studying in medsci. Yeah, so, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, after after my time in Africa, I came back and uh, moved to the state or not to the states to BC for a bit, and worked at a camp resort there for two summers while going to school and then finished my degree started working at local hotspot the sugar bowl okay uh, part-time while going through school and then as soon as i finished i took on full-time position there and then a couple weeks after that became the executive chef and ran that place for about three and a half years no way okay and then stopped doing that in uh, january of 2009 yeah and then uh started consulting and looking for a space full-time wow yeah so what kind of consulting did you do is it all food consulting yeah mainly working with like um small cafes producers restaurants did a bit of work with the government and that's about it so Hmm. just kind of helping the whole thing was to get it, it basically was to free up my schedule a bit and to be able to work with local business people and get them to make money and get them better on track so and that sort of improves your ability yeah. to go and do that yourself doesn't yeah it? and it's definitely like you learn all sorts of stuff you learn both positive and negatives from other people's companies but you can also put your input and insight into it and, and watch as that kind of grows and and learn from that as well hmm so, so can you tell us any uh, specific clients that you had some successes with here in edmonton mm, a great one that's really starting to break through and in, in popularity is cafe haven so michael oh, harvey yeah. out in Sherwood park he's got a a cafe um, out there and him and i worked together on on a redesign and a renovation of his space and that was probably one of the greatest ones that i've worked on in that um, it was a long process but it was also um, really well thought through and well planned so we just kind of overhauled his front bar and service area and prep area and uh, he's loving it which is great and it was a good learning experience as far as like I got into 3D rendering for that this is something that I never had really gotten into so um, that was a tough learning curve but, no doubt uh, yeah so when you do this consulting are you mainly uh, looking at I suppose the the look and the ambiance of the restaurants so you just mentioned you were helping with redesign of of a place out in Sherwood Park or are you also working like with uh, with like the menu and the kind of food they're serving and yeah is it all kind of like a total package it's like a total package all like an all-inclusive kind of thing so <laughs> Nate box all-inclusive yeah. um, everything I've done I've done work for menus like just strictly menus for clients um, but I've also done stuff where it is something like a, a strict ambience thing where they just want some some help with that um, also workflow is a big one 
So a lot of spaces just have terrible, terrible workflow. In and terms so, of like who does the ordering and everything, and yeah, then how that's it's not so much that kitchen? it's more so the like the design and layout of the actual space. Oh, so okay. you literal come in, flow, yeah, like flow. Like you come in and where where does the server station sit versus where is the seating area versus where is a stereo projecting from versus um, how's your front bar laid out like where does your coffee grinder sit in relation to your pickup area or your service area there's just there's a million details that literally like everything is just it it, it makes it so much easier when you when you spend the time planning so. a lot of people probably don't realize that there is a science almost that goes into oh, for sure. food preparation mm-hmm. that is more than just putting together a meal but when you're also taking into account getting it done fast getting it out to At the customer quality exactly not tripping over each other i think a lot of restaurateurs uh, like naive ones ones who aren't experienced probably enter the industry thinking because i've often thought god it would be nice to own a wine bar <laughs> and i can see it in my mind's eye and it's working perfectly right but then you have to acquire a space and i would argue i would probably suggest that a space that you get as as a as a business owner is probably never exactly the way you want it so you always have to renovate it but then when you start renovating it you have to think about these kinds of things and oh i'm sure there are restaurants and cafes in the city that have failed because they were not set up correctly oh, definitely yeah and not ju- not just like quality of food or service i mean you know that's important but this other stuff mm-hmm. can completely screw you over as well um, are there a couple of restaurants, and you don't have to name them, but there are a few. Are there a few in the city that you wish you could work with? Yes. To fix, yeah, I, I imagine definitely. that there are. For a while, uh, how I was kind of approaching clients is that I would sit in a in a cafe. I'd go to a cafe or to a restaurant or a pub, and sit down and visit like two or three times on different days. So go Friday night when it's busy, go Tuesday like after work, kind of mm-hmm. when it's maybe slower go Tuesday morning and just kind of and break it up until different times so you get a f- real understanding or like a good feel of the business and then sit down with the owner and say hey look this is where I've come from this is my background I'd be interested in working with you if you so like feel so inclined and here's some of the things that I feel that we could work together with and what's what kind of reaction do you get when you when you <laughs> that, I mean that's the effectively it's a cold call yeah but uh, it, you a know personal cold call and yeah. I imagine that people would get fairly defensive about that kind of thing some of the people that i've dealt with like or that i've met with have uh have been very very like receptive and, oh really and have come in and said you know what this is great like good timing um we've actually been thinking of doing an overhaul and we'd love some extra input i've also had people say you know what we know exactly what we're doing and this is perfect and we wouldn't change anything and i know everything okay well, so yeah. there's the door <laughs> and and you know what and that's Fine. when you say i'm not paying for this drink <laughs> you just get the yeah. hell out of there now have you have you walked into into some of these places been shown the door and then watched with with schadenfreude-esque glee as it closes months later i haven't okay. i haven't seen well that's good that's yeah. good right i mean we don't want people to fail Unless they're assholes. The other end of that, have you had someone show you the door and then call you back like a month later and go, uh, you know what? Maybe we could talk. (laughs) We're screwed. That hasn't happened either. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're right where you want to be, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. So, so you, you did this for a little while. You, you developed some expertise. You're out in the world, um, you know, uh, plying your trade, so to speak. How do you... And, and you eventually decide that you want to open your own restaurant or you've always thought you mm-hmm. would want to open your own cafe. Yeah. So how do you even begin? This, like, this is something that honestly, like the idea of own, like cafe ownership or, or restaurant ownership has, has been something that's been on my mind for nearly three years now. Um, it's, it starts with like figuring out a plan. Like wh- what do you want to do? Yeah. What, like what's well, I want to open a wine bar, yeah. everyone. So you want to open a wine bar. Okay, then like basically you, you break it down. Like how how are you going to get people into your wine bar? And you start building your business plan. But then after that, you don't want to get too much caught up in the details of like, oh, how much your lease rates are going to be versus, versus um, I don't know, your what's your menu going to be exactly. Right. Um, after that comes the space. 
and uh, that's a whole nother thing. Well, and I happen to know because Nate and I met, uh, oh God, last Christmas, I think, at a party. And you were in the process of, or you had ju- you had been in the process of finalizing a space for Elm Cafe, mm-hmm. and then it all fell through. Yeah. Can you tell us what happened there? Is that something you can't talk about? Yeah. No, I uh, I have no problems talking about it. Um, back in last summer, um, the end of the end of the summer, July August, um, we'd worked on a sale between my company and uh, the former Halberts which is in Belgravia neighborhood. Right. Um, and they were, th- them and I had come to an agreement of, of selling the space, the lease, the whole bag, kind of, um, and I was to take over that space, and that was going to become the home of Elm Cafe. Now, um, before you tell us yeah. what exactly happened, yeah. would, th- would taking over Halberts have required a ton of work inside? No. The nice thing about that is that uh, when you start taking over spaces a lot of the um from the city planning side is there but also from like just a restaurant infrastructure you can usually work with a lot of the stuff right a lot of the construction's already been done or put into place and you might you might move a counter or move a bar six inches one way or two feet the other Um, you might buy a few different pieces of equipment and and swap it out but by and large, when you take over a space, you can you can use the bones and, it, and build from that. It was ideal in yeah. a way. Yeah. So tell us what happened. Well, the sp- the space, like you said, is is really quite ideal. You've got public transit, you've got parking, you've got a corner lot, you've got a great neighborhood, you've got an affluent neighborhood, you've got, mm, I would say, slim to nothing on the south side in like a medium price point. No, um, nothing that has that kind of, like you say, corner lot and a nice yeah. patio as well. Patio, liquor license. Yeah. And and it was just, it was a really great package. Um, unfortunately, like the, the landlord um, of that space um, doesn't feel the need or see the value in putting uh, a cafe or a bistro in that space. And that's it. So he just kind of pulled the rug out from underneath you. Yeah, we had everything signed and sealed from Halbert to myself. There was five words missing in the uh, the lease agreement. I think it was like 38 pages. And out of 38 pages, there was uh, five words not to be unreasonably withheld. And because that clause was not in one of the other sub-clauses, he had all the right to withhold his consent unreasonably. And I have yet, I haven't talked to him since. Uh, I've tried contacting him probably 10 times. Um, I've had other people contact him on my behalf. I've tried contacting him through lawyers and such. And uh, no, no, there's been no return, no interest. So we had to move on. That's it. That's too bad. Yeah. But you have moved on. We have. And how long did the hunt take between the, the Hulbert's, let's call it the fiasco, (laughs) <laughs> From the fiasco to when you found your new your new spot, uh, we actually, I didn't even start looking, con- or considering this new space until middle of March, I would say, okay. beginning of March. Considering like thinking of making an offer on it. Yeah. Uh, well, considering contacting the landlord and the former tenant. Right. So, yeah, it was uh, March. I was actually. Back in January, I'd considered approaching them um, for some consulting because it was a cafe that you could tell was just going south. And uh, I went by and there was nobody there. And I went by a few weeks later and there was still nobody there and kind of forgot about the space for a while. And uh, then made a phone call to try and track down the owner and find out what was going on. And that was the beginning of the end of that existing and cafe. That was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it uh, is it as ideal a situation as the original location was, or is it? Did you have to unfortunately make some sacrifice? It's like trying to choose, like if you had three kids trying to choose your favorite child. Oh, I, I'd wager just that as thing. good, but good in different ways. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we have uh, <laughs> like I've built three plants, and so. Um, one of them was to open a bistro restaurant and that was going to be the Elm Cafe in the Halbert space because it has 50 seats inside, it's got a 30 seat patio, it's it's the full kitchen, full bistro kind of setup. Um, one of the other concepts is 
a cafe, a coffee shop, because they're great. I love coffee. Um, when I go to other cities, I really enjoy them. The cafes, there's some premium cafes here that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. We just don't have enough of them. Agreed. And so that's one of the aims for, for this space. And so it's completely different. It's on a completely different plane. Out of curiosity, what was the third plan? <laughs> to be announced. <laughs> oh, okay. This yeah. might still happen. Yeah. This well, good. Fair enough. Well, both the idea is to, to open Elm Cafe here, and then we'll, we'll continue the hunt for uh, a restaurant space, and then continue the hunt for space three for mystery space number three let's speculate what that might be we've we've talked a lot about opening a space station it's not technically located inside edmonton but directly above it in space (laughs) right that's true now nate doesn't that's one of the that's on the plan for expo 2017 isn't it yes nate doesn't strike me as a spacefaring type uh that's not a shot at you by the way um water slides a restaurant with water slides? Would you eat on the water slides? Well, you, you, so you get like a hamburger, right? Okay. Or, or like, but it's, I mean, it's gourmet. It's made of bison meat and it's got like ridiculous cheeses on it and such. And instead of using like a, the condiments you'd have at your table, you would literally slide down this water slide that's mm. spewing out like mustard and ketchup and stuff. Or, and, you know, each slide is different. So you get to go down different slides depending on what kind of condiments you want on this burger. So you go down the ketchup slide and you're like, yeah, all right, I have ketchup. But you also need relish. So you go right back up the stairs and go down the relish slide. You put a lot of thought into this. Are we talking this. like <laughs> skyscraper types of stairs? Because I would just hit a hot dog with ketchup and then I, I would be done. Because I'm not going 14 flights for relish. And this is why this this is an unproven business model, right? I mean, obviously, I need a lot of work. I need a a high-speed elevator, uh, robot butlers, that kind of thing. So we're only speculating here as to what Nate's third way is. That's what it is. That's what we're going to call it. It's... In fact, when you open this new place, whatever the hell it winds up being, I insist that it be called the third way. Because there's no negative connotations associated with that here in Alberta, healthcare. Right? (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Anyways, <laughs> so, so now, you, so you've started working on Elm Cafe, and where is it going to be located, actually? Uh, Elm Cafe is at 101401 117th Street, and it's suite number 100, but it's the main floor um, front space. So you know where Rose Bowl Pizza is? Yes, I know exactly where you that is. You go half a block north and walk across the street. So it's sandwiched directly between... Rose Bowl Pizza, and Oliver Elementary School. Oh, okay. Nice. Mm. So a little off the beaten path. Yeah. Do you have uh, some, you know, superstar plans to market the hell out of it? We do have some great plans, but also some of it is just is well-placed and, and, and also just relying on the community wants something like this and so i, I don't anticipate you're going to really have any trouble yeah we hope to ha- we will hope to really be able to just build a good group of people and a good loyal following of people and that that the name and the like the reputation the quality the simplicity the thought that went into it and that just carries it mm-hmm. so so when you acquired this space mid-march yeah we'll start looking at mid-march and by uh the beginning of april it, it moved fast it moved really fast at the point where i called my parents on more than one occasion and said this can't happen because it's been too easy because of all the junk that i've been through you're certain something's going to fall apart yeah so and it hasn't up until the day when i signed and my lawyer said you know what this is good you've got the space um and no five words are missing right um we that up until that side i said or up until that time i kind of said like you know what this is this is a probable this may happen and didn't really tell too many people about it but Mm -hmm. yeah and then you started renovating based Mm -hmm. on the plans that you'd put together and i understand you've there have been some issues (laughs) so it hasn't been it hasn't been perfect nothing's ever perfect no of course take over and especially when you take over a space and especially anything that has age. If you're taking a new building and you're building it in, like, you've got a big budget and you can build in from new, great. But when you're working with somebody else's bones and trying to flesh it out, it just doesn't. It just, it doesn't always go your way. So what's gone wrong? Um, the, I think one, the biggest concern for me uh, initially, something that I knew about, 
was um, the electrical work. So basically when you walk into a new space or an old space, those are your big concerns. You need to first look after building code. Um, the space there was on, I think like a 20, no, I think it was on like 30, maybe 60 amp service. It had basically two plugins and the rest of all of the, the equipment was run off of power bars and extension cords. Oh my God. How the fire department and the health department allowed that is beyond me. I think some well-placed and well-timed bribes. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> I'm uh, only speculating, by the way. We took it out and shook our heads and said, no, I can't have this uh, because I know it's not right. And we have forked out a bunch of money for electricians to come in and say, okay, we're gutting it and put it in properly. Um, so that was a, a big expense. Then kind of some unforeseen ones. The biggest one was this weekend I came back from training in Vancouver. Um, I had a phone call on Saturday when I was in Vancouver from my dad who was kind of tinkering with some stuff in the site. And he said that while he was there fixing um, some bracing that the ceiling came down on him. <laughs> Which is not something that you really want to hear, especially when your dad's 65. Is he okay? Um, not, he wasn't injured or anything. No, no. I think more so just startled, but um, <laughs> T-bar ceiling, which is the same stuff that most uh, offices or a lot of, of public spaces have, it's it's like a drop ceiling. Yeah. Um, it just decided, two-thirds of it decided to come out. Was it because so they were wet, wet or something? No, or just it was just poorly installed, so whether it was a company before or whether it was some handyman who wasn't so handy who decided to install it himself... Um, basically the entirety of the ceiling was held up by about 40 drywall screws that were screwed directly into the drywall above, not into the studs. Oh my God. So we even, don't even, even have... I know not to do that. <laughs> and that's where when somebody's putting something like that in, I just shake my head and I'm like, you know what? Like you think you've seen it all, mm -hmm. but no, then somebody has to come and do something like this. 40 screws that, and it wasn't sheer strength. It's not like putting a drywall screw into the wall and hanging a picture from it and saying, hope it holds this is hanging very very heavy ceiling tiles and the thing is is that most ceiling tiles in the offices and public spaces are are uh, like a styrofoam base yeah um food grade ones are gypsum so drywall base with a with a plastic coat so you think of a ceiling 200 square feet of drywall a four by eight sheet of drywall that's five eighths inch thick try and lift that i dare you to go to home depot and try and grunt that you'll yeah. put your back out yeah so that's what was suspended so four by eight is 32 feet you've got seven sheets suspended and your dad didn't get injured no because i think it just bound and 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 wedged itself in on itself so only two-thirds came down i'm just gonna throw this out there but i think that nate's dad may be a superhero <laughs> i think he might you know a superman of some sort you don't look like you believe me. <laughs> Obviously not. All right. So the ceiling yeah. caved in. The electrical needed to be redone. Yeah. And then, uh, so we got the, well, the electrical was easy. The ceiling, I, uh, m my carpentry skills have definitely been put to the test these last few weeks because I'm trying to keep it on a budget. Um, so I rehung the uh, ceiling tiles with the help some, of some others and some really cheesy 90s Armstrong ceiling tile installation videos <laughs> and then other than that the other big one was that customs decided to hold our shipment of equipment a lot of our coffee equipment came out of the, the states so we've got that cleared we've got the ceiling tile back up so we're running you're still behind when you want it to open yeah. of course yeah their grand opening is June 7th uh when what time are you guys opening that day we that's a monday so june 7th is is our tentative opening and i say that because i don't want any unforeseen accidents happening and then me having to open anyways sure doesn't want to jinx it at this yeah. point okay okay so like i say that we probably had a space or have a space we will probably be opening the 7th of june um and as that day kind of uh, approaches, we'll we'll be more and more certain about it. And uh, if we have to delay it, we have to delay it. Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather do it right and open it properly than than not yeah. and open and have something going or just not put my best foot forward. So no, um, it's totally understandable. The seventh of June, yeah, and Monday. That's a Monday morning, so um, we want to be open at seven. 
Really? Yeah. Good lord, that's early. You know what? I'll Maybe be for there. some people. I will be there. Well, I know Scott works at like 5 a.m. most days, so so he he thinks not very highly of me for saying that, but I, I'll be there at 7. Yeah. Good. When you're open on June 7th. Good. Adam will be the first person in line at the door. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting gonna, for the sign to turn around. I'm going to start encouraging people to show up at 7 so that you have to be there like an iPad opening. So <laughs> <or laughs> yes, line man. up outside the door. All I want people. is a coffee. So the concept is a cafe. Mm-hmm. But I use that term loosely because some people sure. have different interpretations of cafes. But Now, but I understand, I remember maybe you mentioning perhaps on Twitter that you would have some food. Mm-hmm. A very, very short menu of stuff or... Yeah. What's the idea? Um, well, the idea is taking uh, 200 square feet, so that's standard bedroom size. Yeah. The main room actually only measures like 13 by 15. Holy. And turning that into um, a cafe that serves breakfast and lunch. So we want to do really great coffee and really great food. Um, food is going to be on a simple menu, and we're just going to focus on quality and that you guys will just trust us to give you something good so sandwiches a few pastries and like soup salad and that's it all made in the in the cafe yeah we're gonna source a couple things uh like bread uh, for the time being is gonna have to be sourced just because i don't have the facilities like uh i'm i'm putting a small 30 inch oven in there Mm -hmm. so i don't have the facilities to to bake bread um pastries we might be working with like local pastry shops for that or we might do them in-house but as far as like the final assembly and putting stuff together we're going to be doing it all ourselves so great um yeah like i said great coffee the menu for the for the breakfast is i think only it might be six items might Hmm. be five items that's great the i i I hate going into restaurants where they have like an endless list of things you can get it's the tyranny of choice and we don't need more places that are serving chicken caesar wraps I mean, like, no offense to to that, but... No offense to everywhere, but... uh, (laughs) I just don't need... Like, we don't need another place. There's enough people that are doing it, so I'm going to try and focus on on doing other stuff. It's a matter of finding a niche so that people who are craving X know to seek you out. Whereas if they want their chicken Caesar wrap, they could go to Subway. Yeah, and exactly that is that we want to build a company um, that that is, like, kind of prides itself on offering, like, a great product consistently like across the board not not a company that offers a great chicken caesar wrap i don't i'm i don't hate chicken caesar wraps. i actually <laughs> quite enjoy them i'm sorry <laughs> to all you people who eat chicken caesar wraps that, um but low-hanging fruit <laughs> right seemed the simplest thing to make fun of it's just not my um, hamburger water slide for some reason that was <laughs> perfectly valid the the menu is going to change i don't have a set menu so we've got about 30 sandwiches right now that i've written menu or the recipes for um, and we're just going to alternate through them. so It's kind of like a daily special thing. Yeah, but the whole menu is going to be a daily special of sorts. Ooh, that entices people to come in, so, th- so there's always something a little it's, different it for them to like try. It sounds like a foodie's dream, actually. So the, the idea is that you don't build um, a business on a single item. You don't go to Earl's for their... Hunan Kung Pao stir fry. Or their chicken Caesar wrap. Or their chicken Caesar wrap. I was trying to break <laughs> off of that. I know. I'm just going to keep pigeonholing you. But though. that you you build it where um, Adam says, I want a great sandwich. You know where to go. Yeah. Scott says, I want a great coffee and a muffin to start my 7 o'clock shift. You know where to go. <laughs> it's a 5 o'clock shift. 5 o'clock. I'll uh, have to bring you coffee. Yeah. coffee they're not break. open at 5. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Nate will be there, though, toiling. I don't know, something. <laughs> so that's the thing, is that it's just keeping it small. And it's also an, a challenge to see what you can do with small spaces and kind of get off this bandwagon of, of we need 1,500 or 2,000 square feet. I, I love the idea of taking something that most people would not blink an eye at, like they would not consider in their wildest dreams to open something of this, like, something like this in such a small space yeah so that's the challenge is see what can we what could we possibly do what's the best that we could turn 200 and, or yeah 225 but it's actually only 180 something 
square feet into of usable yeah. square feet. You know, I th- Edmonton suffers, and and less less so now than five years ago, but they suffer from a lack of those sort of small spaces. You go to places like Vancouver or Toronto, where building you know individual spaces for businesses on street level buildings are extremely narrow and extremely long yeah so you get these sort of long rooms there are a few great tiny locations in edmonton that off the top of my head i can think of zen on 104 as an example of a very very small uh restaurant but the concept works so well and so i'm glad that that someone is doing something like that you know is building upon spaces like that that already exist on that note we're going to take ourselves a short break when we come back we're going to talk more about food and restauranting in edmonton with nate box it's the league of extraordinary media the edmontonian.com truebrittle.com the unknown studio user created content It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a guarantee of quality Edmonton-based online content. If you're interested in joining or would like more information, visit leagueofextraordinarymedia.com. And we're back. At this time... I'd like to uh, give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors. Uh, The first one is Guru Digital Arts College, the fantastic headmaster there. Owen Briarly loves our podcast and uh, his students, forces his students to listen to it. We love him back. It's It's worth mentioning. Yeah, and it's it's almost like a clockwork orange scenario, except with the ears held open instead of the eyes. Which is a far more disturbing process. Just disgusting but but they support us uh they they support us with money and uh we really appreciate it because without them it wouldn't be possible to do this every couple weeks our other sponsor who's near and dear to our hearts has been with us for a long time is the The edmonton Edmonton journal Journal. those ink stained wretches also love our podcast and uh you know give us nice things like backlinks and shout outs and all that good stuff and uh well and we try to do the same every now and then for them. Specifically every episode. Yeah. The Edmonton Journal.com. EdmontonJournal.com. Whatever. Anyway, so, yes, we were talking about small spaces and, and restaurants in Edmonton. And I wanted to ask you, Nate, because um, I've got a business partner who says this city is one of the most difficult places to start a business in. And I, I don't recall his reasons for it. Why Edmonton? I, you know what, I don't, I don't know. I, there's something about this city that I couldn't pinpoint i'm born and raised here um when i go away i've traveled like the last four or five years i all of my vacations have been pointing towards major cities in north america um but i still love coming back to edmonton Mm -hmm. there's something about snow on may 29th that i laugh about and it makes me appreciate the city rather than shake my fist in the air um it's just I've got family here. We've got a great community of friends here. Um, but it's also an area that has, especially in my line of work, a, an amazing potential. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much that we can do and so much that we can build in this city. And really, like, you look at the success of a, lo- of a lot of places, and my industry is definitely not an exception of that, of places that are, that are doing okay, an, an okay job. They're pretty average, and, and they're doing very well. So it's an average concept or an average execution, but it's, uh, it's, it's profitable or yeah. it's, it's doing good things. And, and it's, all, it's about sticking it in and, and making the city better than, than what it is now. And it's a great city now, but we're just I want to be a part of, of making it and pushing it to better and, and that's not just in my industry like it's i don't r- only care about edmonton's food scene yeah it's, yeah it's about the city at large kind of so Absolutely. you just happen to care more about the city's food scene. yes <laughs> yeah more connected to the food scene <laughs> he's hungry you know that's i'm hungry that's all my and that's why i'm excited that there's going to be more of an edmonton food scene what uh what do you feel about um 
how important is it to you to source food locally? Like, is that is that a big part of what you want to do? Or yeah, I think the the building of a relationships and, and sourcing local is is quite important. It's something that we strive to do. Um, at the Sugar Bowl when I was there, it was something that um, I've strived to do when working with with clients consulting, um, and it's just and it's something that I try and do personally. It's just I think that there's an importance, but there's also something about um, legalism or or like a soapbox mentality that I don't really agree with, and that's a whole nother discussion or topic like you do it not because of the necessarily the the badge value of doing it or or the the ability to say hey guess what yeah if i get the warm fuzzies from going to the old strathcona farmers market on this sat like saturday morning and shaking the hands with everybody that i i buy vegetables and meat from that's great but i don't need to stand on a soapbox and preach to people about hey, look, you're going to Costco and that's evil and you shouldn't be spending. And it's just not me. Yeah. Um, I, I'm more of an opinion and, and it translates into the business side too where um, if you're doing it properly, people will take note and take you'll get the recognition naturally too. So, yeah. yeah. So is that where you get your... your your groceries from like typically I mean tell me I'm, yeah. I'm the sort of save on foods guy because yeah. I go for what's easy but that doesn't necessarily translate into quality sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't so are you do you try and get your groceries as much as possible from farmers markets yeah I try to get there as frequently as I can but again um, it's something that I'm not canceling or, or it's not the first thing that goes on my schedule if something needs to to happen on a Saturday morning and I can't make it to the market yeah. and, and the winter months are particularly difficult too um, but it's it's definitely a focus of mine um, but it does it's one of those things where you know what I also have shopped at Costco I also <gasps> shop at H&W which is great if you don't go there go H&W. that's my plug where's that H&W is on th- they have one on 34th Ave and like 91st 93rd street and then they've got one on 127th Ave and something street. I don't know. And it's just Google like a it. wholesaler? But it's a wholesale produce oh. store. So if you want, like, one week they may have avocados for 49 cents each. But then the next week or for a month they won't have any. And then you can go and get orange peppers for 99 cents a pound as opposed to three ninety nine at Save-On. Yeah, so not, not is, a pound, but each. It's worth driving. <laughs> we oftentimes would drive, like, once a week or once every second week to the south side and stock up on groceries because it's worth the it's worth the trip financially how come i didn't know about this right that you down. do now and right. so do our listeners you've just learned a little secret of edmonton <laughs> listeners <laughs> but yeah tens sorry 40s of listeners 40s of listeners our 40s of listeners i do i do try and source locally but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you that i'm there every week and and and, no, that's, and, and that wasn't what i was no. driving at i was just curious because like I think I'm probably a terrible grocery shopper. I, I, I don't often go, first of all, because I work across the street from a mm-hmm. grocery store. So for lunch, I'll just go buy a sandwich. I mean, it still costs more than it would cost for me to buy individual pieces of the sandwich. But And, and it's different, too. Like, each to their own kind of, as far as, like, that's a, that's a definite passion of mine is, is food. So if I want to get the best food, well, the best food is going to be the stuff that's grown around this city Mm -hmm. and picked three days ago as opposed to picked three weeks ago and flown or trucked or whatever from california mexico ecuador whatever now do you mentioned you have a passion for food you like Mm -hmm. finding fresh ingredients and whatnot does that translate into your home as well yeah you are you are not one of the i've heard tell that uh cooks that professional chefs and cooks uh are really not good in the kitchen at home that they would that their kitchen at home is is just like beefaroni out of a can and i'm done because you spend all day cooking you know what you have and i can't speak for all chefs but i would say the majority that i know do have vices like that where you come home you've just put in 12 or 16 hours on your feet cooking everything 
and you the last thing in your mind is making anything from scratch yeah. so you do resort to to your kind some of some ramen noodles out of the yeah, yeah, fridge some, yeah. just a some jar of mayonnaise <laughs> <laughs> and an ice cream scoop <laughs> so um Nate are there are there let's talk about let's talk about food trends in Edmonton mm, great is there anything going on here in the city let's talk about the stuff that sucks Okay. You mentioned chicken Caesar wraps, but I, I assume you like those. Mm. What kind of, what sorts of trends are you seeing in the city that you don't really care for food-wise? Or drink, food and drink-wise, hospitality industry-wise? I am sorry to, no, I'm not sorry to say this. Asian fusion is something where I am like, okay, <laughs> I'm, ti- I'm dying, I'm done, I'm tired of it. The whole, like, let's make... I don't know. You what, can, you, I don't even really understand what Asian fusion is. Asian fusion is like taking Asian ingredients, like making like a, I don't know, like a miso encrusted black cod and serving it with like mashed potatoes. And you're like, <laughs> what the? Like, <laughs> what? no, I, I just don't get it. So it's something that it came up, what, mid 90s, I yeah. think. Yeah. I know that I was at Joey Tomatoes when it started because they were really what? popular for some asian fusion stuff like isn't the opm brand supposed to be the thing that sort of does a lot of that yeah, even though they do like a lot of like i would say theirs is more just asian straight food, asian like, yeah yeah i guess it's westernized a bit like they just do high-end kind of chinese food yeah. essentially yeah. um but yeah asian fusion is something that i would chop you're not the first person i've heard say that Chopped. actually like on that show <laughs> A terrible, terrible show. You are chump. Other food trends that I would like to see disappear. Or that I'm kind of... um, I will quote Leanne Falder and kind of take myself off the hook a bit. But uh, Edmonton's... Edmonton Journal's Bistro food section in... uh, I think it was January or so. Had a write-up about food trends. And one of them that was... I quote, saying, going, going, gone, I believe was their exact words, was um, <laughs> cupcakes. And oh, that I was am, a flash in the pan, wasn't it? I am done, but there's still cu- cupcake places opening, and people are doing really well. And you know what? D- fine. Have it. But for me, I'm I'm over it. It's, a, it's kind of a less elegant dessert, if I can be a snob for a moment. I've had delicious cupcakes. So, I've had yeah. delicious cupcakes from specialty yeah. cupcake places, and I'm, I don't mean to slag them, but you're right. There are a lot of them all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. And I would much prefer less a specialty cupcake shop and more of like a dessert place. Yeah. Like a little dessert bar or something. That would be really interesting, actually. A dessert bar that has really excellent specialty coffees supported by a roster of amazing dessert wines. Mm. That wait a minute. Like hey, a wait a minute. Is this, is this Nate the Box third Phase 3? Is this the third way? <laughs> Maybe we've stumbled on it. And a we'll whipped cream water slide. We'll have to wait and find I out. I guess we will. Um, what about uh, overused ingredients here in the city? Are you finding that there are certain dishes like people are Kobe using? Kobe beef, please. Okay. I'm sorry. Easy. <laughs> you don't even have to finish the sentence. <laughs> Kobe beef is my, uh, is my one that I'm just like, you know what, again. It's been around. It's been around for a while. It's just like, really, like, who cares? Yeah. We have all kinds of beef here. What does it need to come from Japan for? Mm. I mean, if if I'm going to sample Kobe beef and really have a go at it, I think I'll go to Japan. Or fly to Vegas, which is probably one of the only places nearby that actually carries proper Kobe. My understanding is that proper Kobe Kobe is uh, flown in from from Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the typical North American Kobe beef that we're become accustomed to is actually a U.S. product. I've also heard that it's often mixed with, uh, like particularly if it's in a hamburger or something that's ground beef, it's mixed with other beef because Kobe beef is expensive. I haven't heard that. I've heard that. Maybe that's <laughs> There's a Yeah, I've heard that in a story. Maybe. Maybe there is. I won't say who in the city I've heard this about, because it may or may not be true, but I have heard that. Yeah. Uh, Kobe beef. What other ingredients? What, is there another that, that's overused or, or maybe improperly used? I'm going to throw this one out there, because it's not always improperly used, but particularly the Joey's Restaurant Group, they love their cilantro. 
And I think cilantro only works with certain dishes, certain kinds of dishes. It's, it's an overused herb because sometimes on certain things it tastes like body odor. <laughs> I, I actually don't really like cilantro, except on Indian food. Other examples? Uh, other examples. Maybe not. Off the top of my head, I cannot think of any. What about outstanding trends in food in Edmonton? Who's doing it right? There you go. Who's doing it right? There, um, back of house is a blog that the Kalina Group just started, or started a couple months ago. Um, on there, you can read about um, the duck sausages. They've got a guy working for them right now who is foodie to the nth degree. He is like he oozes food. Ew. His name's Jerry Heacock. He's a good friend, um, and he's wicked talented cook and is just he's a he knows what he's doing yeah yeah um so he wanted to make duck sausages so the kalina family said you know what by all means we'll buy you a sausage grinder and we're gonna get a sausage whatever filler i don't know what that thing's called it's a gross looking machine that's all i know and Um, we'll get you some bladders that you can yeah so then they make they make duck sausages there, and they're great. Um, there's some really good charcuterie coming in, and that's something that I just love, is that cured pork in particular, but cured meat and wine, I will eat that three meals a day. Yeah. Um, so the guys at Bothy are doing a great job. There's a, also Bebo Wine Bar is a great space for that, where um, bringing in products, especially like from the lower mainland that are phenomenal if anybody wants a great business to they should start making great charcuterie out of alberta or if there are there are some then i just don't know about it yeah. please call yeah let nate know <laughs> what about uh what's it called fondue do you see that coming back in a big way at all permanently did it ever really did it ever really leave i mean there are some places that do it right well i i don't know i'm not the biggest fan of fondue but i just have terrible childhood memories of fondue (laughs) where parents nearly burning down like the kitchen table or house um but it's it's just it's just not me so i guess i can't really comment on it okay i had it once really good one at cafe select but i haven't been there in ages so yeah Hmm. As far as other food trends, I really want to see, this is kind of not really your, answering your question, but I really want to see food carts. And I know that I've said that before. I think that's a trend that I'd like to see in Edmonton. Sure. Um, like Philly sticks. Yeah. I want to see more competition for those guys because like food carts or food vendors are not limited to to sausages or Schneider's wieners. Like yeah. we can do better. Um, so it was kind of disheartening to hear that council turned down food vendors for churchill square they did yeah that um, was a misguided decision something about grease or something like that or clean up on on church yeah because you know vomit and piss is uh (laughs) is bad enough is that much better and they're trying to make it a big public space why wouldn't you try to attract food vendors especially around the lunch hour if you put three fat franks in there rather than the one that's in rice howard rice howard way yeah um Think of think of the people. Think of the bodies that would come in there. The thing is, and I've I've had hot dogs from that particular Fat Frank's location. People will wander up to the cart when they see a lineup of people because they're just like, "What the hell is going on over mm-hmm. there?" So if you literally want others to flock to a location, put a few food carts there and don't make them all hot dogs. Like, yeah. I can't believe that. I really can't believe that. Yeah. It's very disappointing. I just read a snippet of it, so I'd be I should probably go back and read more, but. But if, in fact, that was the decision, then yeah. misguided. Because, like, three bananas on on Churchill is mm-hmm. nice, but it's also not central and, it, you know, it's one kind of thing. And, and, it's, and it doesn't give you the same kind of feel as if, as, like, summer, that's a great thing to do is to be able to wander up to Fat Frank's and grab a hot dog. If you could wander up to somewhere else and get a, a great barbecue beef sandwich or you could wander up somewhere and get a great like kebab or something like that it, w- it would be 
it would be such a great summer yeah. experience where you could just sit in that concrete jungle and and enjoy it. You know what else I don't see much of anymore on the same subject? Ice cream trucks. Mm. I know they're out there, but I remember when I was a kid, they had the the teenagers on the Dickie D bikes going yeah. around with the little freezer on the front of the bike, selling ice cream in my neighborhood. Don't really see those anymore. I will say that uh, a couple times last summer, I live in a neighborhood just east of downtown in the River Valley, and there were a few times where I heard the music from the, the ice cream thing, but never never ran out in time to get at it. But that's something, too, that could be done so much better and so much like with a, with a more local, more Edmonton focus. Like We've got some great um, creameries in, in Alberta. We've got some great ice cream manufacturers in Edmonton. That's something where it's like you take some idea like that. Hey, where did, where did the Dickie D guys go? Well, my understanding is that they kept getting robbed because they were carrying around all this money and it was cash back then. Well, that, that's Panago, changed, right? Panago can have remote... Um, Arm them debit. with debit and send them out and say we don't accept <laughs> yeah. cash. Yeah. And then well, problem solved. I think you'd have to accept cash. Don't you? As a form of tender? I Anyways. think you do. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But, but, but you could, you could but certainly encourage people not to. Cash. Exactly. Cool. So if you could just, yeah, swipe here take that that's going to be the fourth way oh wow yeah wait a second we're building business <laughs> here you know what i think we should do to protest this churchill square thing we should have lemonade stands there every day we should sell <laughs> lemonade for 10 cents and just be like damn you city council you'd probably do a brisk trade with all the suits mm, probably around churchill square well i'd have to add a little bit of vodka for those guys <laughs> those banker types those highfalutin businessmen i th- i think that's what they are I don't actually know what falutin means. I think it's German for douchebag. Right? No? No one? Okay. Fine. Where were we? We were talking about trends. Trends, trends. trends that, that we want to see more of in Edmonton or trends that we think are way overdone. Actually, we kind of got off the topic of way overdone. Things yeah. that we would like to see more of, things that we think are coming back that are good one of the things i want to ask you actually because you were in vancouver doing some training mm-hmm. right and i'm assuming this is all around coffee it is so what let's talk about what that training was like and then let's also talk about what kind of what the trends are in coffee because i don't that's something i'm just not familiar with yeah. so what kind of training did you get down there um basically there were um we made a decision to go with a roaster out of vancouver mm-hmm. um and the roaster is called the 49th Parallel, and they do a phenomenal job of roasting um, some of the best beans that they can get their hands on um, in in Canada, in North America, I'd argue, too. Yeah. Um, so when we made that decision, um, I told them the opening day um, was scheduled for the 1st of June, and they said, well, we can't really get anybody there to train you um, until the middle of June just with with everybody's schedules and they were moving from one warehouse to the other anyways um long story short they said well you can come down here if you want so it happened to work that i could hop on a flight a couple days later took down to to vancouver and spent four days there a couple of which were three of which were training and two of them were with family and friends Mm -hmm. but the training was uh, a tour of the roastery and kind of like a walk through and and if i had any questions we'd chat about it um then i got to see the new space that they were in trend or transitioning into um and then i spent uh, an afternoon with uh, a phenomenal and very well respected um, canadian barista who's a coffee maker is what a barista is for anybody that doesn't know yeah yeah. there's an official title um and it is a well-paying well-respected job not the kind of barista you have at starbucks clearly yeah well no not a knock on those people but they're baristas in their own too but this is a bit of a different uh caliber um so i spent an afternoon making espresso and steaming milk and we went through a couple gallons of milk and a couple pounds of espresso and uh i think i had six or eight coffees uh, in the first hour and then was like <laughs> i am stopping like the guy that i was training with would just swish and 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 spit similar to wine tastings and i would drink one and then spit one and drink one and spit one in and then before long my heart started 
kicking in and saying <laughs> enough is enough <laughs> and my stomach soon followed so that was great then the next uh the next training session that i had i worked um or i, I was observing and then stepping in when it was slow um at the cafe that they um run on west fourth which is like a really popular street in, in kitsilano, kitsilano. Yeah. yeah what's the name of the cafe it's called 49th cafe yeah 49th parallel I've ever been there. um so it's fourth and arbutus if you're ever in vancouver check them out that's like one of the busiest intersections in kits yeah yeah it's that's cool really great so um a great neighborhood and they've got an amazing team an amazing setup mm-hmm. um those guys know how to make good coffee and make it fast and that's the whole key is is for making coffee profitable is that you have to make it good and 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 also turn covers turn customers so yeah. get them in and out and give so them their fix the june 7th morning there it's not going to be like an <laughs> ipad line it's going to be boom 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 coffees yeah, exactly um and then the four or the third day of training with them was uh me actually working a half shift at the bar and that was intense i really got a good idea of what a busy cafe in a big city can do and yeah. uh being on the bar i was a bit rusty um the second day and like the first and second day and by the third day was starting to get uh, the hang hang of it some more and and learning some things and it was just a really great experience with them. Awesome. Yeah. So trends in coffee, what are you guys bringing to the market? Trends in coffee, there's this, and, and to be honest, I'm not a coffee nerd through and through. Uh, the, the business side of it and the fact that I just love coffee um, is great. When it gets into a lot of the complexities, I kind of, I don't zone out, but it's just something that I, I'm not aware of. So a friend of mine gave me a really great book um, all on espresso and I nerded out and read the science behind espresso on a family vacation it was great but it's this whole movement that's uh, called the third wave and so um it's kind of it's bringing better or it's bringing premium um coffee premium espresso back into the market so starbucks was the second wave and they introduced people to things like cappuccinos and lattes or espressos or macchiatos but they kind of Americanized it and, and got away from the quality and got more into the quantity. And uh, this new kind of movement is about, and I wouldn't even say new, it's been around for, for years, but it's starting to gain a lot more respect and a lot more momentum as the Starbucks kind of, or second cup mentality um, starts to not get old, but it's been around and people are more than familiar. My three-year-old niece knows what Starbucks is, so that's a sign that that it's been around i think yeah definitely um but this new movement is 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 about getting back to the roots of coffee and making the best possible coffee so taking the best beans and roasting it the best way possible and brewing it the best way possible and serving it the best way possible i've never wanted a coffee more than right this moment (laughs) like just talking about it you know makes me makes me crave it All right, it's time. Oh, I thought you were going to get me a coffee. No. Now I know what it's time for. Does Nate know what it's time for? I do not. Nate has listened to a total of two shows. Two partial shows. So he's never gotten to the end of one, (laughs) which tells us something, Scott, doesn't it? Makes me sad is what it it makes me. It does. I'm going to go back and listen to all of them. Of course you are. Of course you are. This will be episode 25, so you've got about a day's worth. Um, What we do at the end of the show with every guest is ask them... 15 questions we call it the fast 15 the first 13 questions are standard questions we ask of all our guests and then the last two are what we call wild card questions and those are tailored to you sir okay so you get two passes if you stumble upon a question you just don't want to answer you can't okay here we go the fast 15 with nathan box number one your favorite food pork your favorite color green Mac, PC, or Linux? Mac, for sure. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Your first vehicle? Uh, 72 Malibu, I think it was. Excellent. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Favorite sport? Uh, I would say hockey, but only to watch. 
Favorite pastime? Um, I don't know, long walks on the beach. <laughs> Favorite music right now? I'm still hooked on Bon Iver. Okay. <laughs> Your favorite movie? Um, Toss-Up Between the Rescue, which is a movie that I grew up on as a kid. Google that. And, um, gosh, I would say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Johnny Depp. That's probably pretty high up there. All right. What about a movie that you hate but everyone else seems to love? Memento. Oh, really? I, I, I hated that. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad either, but there you go. Nate hated it. So the one movie that you get made fun of for liking. My wife gives me a hard time about Anchorman. But really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love your, that movie. Your wife has no taste in movies. <laughs> and your proudest moment? Has it even arrived yet? Is June I, 7th going to be hit? I don't know. I, I, would, I would say it hasn't arrived yet. Um, June 7th is going to be great and it's an opportunity to see something actually like years of planning and countless hours actually come to fruition yeah so I'm looking forward to it so now we're on to our wild card questions okay we touched on this a little bit earlier in the show but we wait I still have two passes right that's correct okay okay you could pass on these if you wanted to (laughs) so first wild card question what Edmonton quality do you like the most the people and your second wild card question, what is there one ingredient that you'll never cook with? Balut. What's that? Well, I don't know if you actually cook with it. I will never eat that. It's uh, it's like a, I don't know how many days old chicken embryo, I believe. It's like this Filipino or... It's a rotten egg. No, it's, a, it's an egg that's been fertilized that's allowed to, like the embryo has gotten to a... I don't know. Yeah, Google that. Wow, and, that. Uh, I think it's a duck egg, actually. It is a duck egg? I don't know. That sounds but foul. I had a friend of mine who ate one when he was overseas. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's a duck. A duck egg. That is not for me, and I will not be cooking with, with that. Egg. So, But again, it's probably in order for me to cook with it, it would have to be Asian fusion, and uh, we've already discussed that. <laughs> That's never going to happen. So there you go, everyone. The Fast 15 with Nate Box. Uh, Elm Cafe is slated to open on the morning of June 7th, and you get, we can check you out on the web where? Yeah, we've got, uh, at, um, you can check us out at elmcafe.ca, or you can follow us at Elm Cafe. On Twitter. Yeah. Wonderful. And that's at 10140 117th Street. It is. In the Oliver neighborhood, I really look forward to, uh, to being a frequent customer. Good. We look forward to having you. Thanks. All right, what do we have uh, coming up next time? Next show, we'll be uh, talking with one of the creators of Empire Avenue, a very uh, an increasingly popular social networking site dedicated to stocks in people. Sounds interesting. It should be. Uh, before we do go, though, I do want to mention a few other things that are happening uh, in and among the Unknown Studio and the League of Extraordinary Media. On June 8th, Actually, Scott and I are going to be on Making Whoopi with Colin and Chad on CGSR. That's in the morning at 8 o'clock. Also, the evening of June 8th at 7.30 at Original Joe's Varsity Row at 8404 109th Street. We're hosting the second ALX Edmonton event. And that's basically us making fun of Ted, uh, even though I love Ted. Uh, We're just going to get a few speakers up talking about whatever the heck it is they want to talk about. And really, it's just an excuse to get together and drink beer. On June 10th will be the first ever uh, Geek Girl Dinners in Edmonton. So if you know a lady who's going to that and you're lucky enough to be your date, good on you. But you can look them up on the web. Just look up YEG Geek Girls on Google. And finally, on June 13th, we'll be celebrating with theedmontonian.com the, our birthdays. We've, we've been around for a year just about and uh, we'll be having some kind of birthday party that weekend, so stay tuned for details on that, and you can check us out at theunknownstudio.ca. Right on. Nate, thank you so much for being on the well, show. thanks for having me. That was great. And good luck with the cafe. Thanks. And the third way. Which we'll have to wait to find out about. Apparently. We're done. Awesome. Right on. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 25. Our guest, Nate Box, our topic, food in Edmonton, 
pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Yeah, all right, I have ketchup.